Let's begin with prayer. Please uh, stand and we'll ask God's blessing upon our study this evening. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we seek to uh, build the house in vain if we do not call upon thy holy name to bless thine own word unto us, uh, thy word which is truth. And we ask, uh, Lord, that thou would uh, give to us thy spirit that we might have the mind of Christ uh, to be able to uh, properly understand and apply uh, the word that is taught today. We commit this time to thee and ask that thou would uh, wash us and cleanse us from our sins. Lord, that uh, we might uh, offer unto thee a pure heart, pure mind. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin a fresh chapter, a new chapter, John chapter 10 this evening. And we'll be focusing our attention upon verses 1 through 6. John 10, 1 through 6. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. This is really a continuation of what Christ had ended by saying in the previous chapter. You remember that chapter uh, divisions uh, are not a part of the original text. Uh, those were added in about 1230 uh, by Archbishop Stephen Langton. And so uh, we don't have those in the original text. But uh, So there might have, again, this uh, chapter beginning in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, uh, really is, again, as I said, a continuation of what the Lord Jesus had said in chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. And I'll read that just to lead us into what he is saying in chapter 10. So, John nine thirty-nine, And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? 
Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. So in those words, as Jesus gave them at the end of chapter 9, he is publicly declaring uh, to, to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders uh, among the Jews, that those who think that they can spiritually see due to their own self-righteousness, that they have this, this ability to see, not because God has given to them a new heart, not because he's given to them new eyes to behold, but they think that they can see by way of their own pride and their self-righteousness. And because this is the case, Jesus says those who think that they can see uh, are truly spiritually blind and they remain in their sin. Their sin is unforgiven. Whereas those who confess that they are spiritually blind in Adam and that their righteousness is as filthy rags and turn to Christ to be healed of their blindness, these are the ones whose sins will be forgiven them. And so the ecclesiastical leaders of that time, the Pharisees primarily, that, that's who's in view here, uh, the, they were offended by what the Lord Jesus uh, said and they asked, uh, are we blind also? And John 10 is basically a continuation of what Jesus had responded to them, to, to these proud religious leaders. It's not a new subject in chapter 10. It's basically just continuing his address to these spiritually blind leaders. They're not faithful shepherds of the sheep. Uh, they are blind and they are leading the blind. Uh, they are misleading the sheep. Uh, they are leading them into a ditch uh, because they are blind. And so here we come to, again, verse 1 of chapter 10. Jesus continues then, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. <clears throat> Jesus begins with those uh, very familiar words, verily, verily, or truly, truly. And again, this is simply a way in which the Lord emphasizes that what he is about to say is uh, to be received um, with great attention and care. Uh, it's very, very important. Not that anything else that Jesus says is unimportant, but he's just emphasizing this uh, as to uh, the words that he's speaking to these religious leaders. So Jesus speaks here uh, a parable, uh, verse 6, look down to verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them. So 
verses 1 through 5, uh, uh, John, the apostle, who's the human author of this, was inspired to call this a parable. That is, uh, it's teaching uh, in common, ordinary words a spiritual truth. And so the spiritual truth we'll elaborate on as we work our way through the text, but uh, this is a parable. It's a parable relating to things that would be very well known among the people at that time. Uh, they would all read, readily acknowledge in the parable itself the truthfulness of what Jesus is saying with regard to a shepherd, with regard to the sheep, with regard to those who climb over the wall. Um, basically, no one would be denying and saying that that's not the case, that that's not uh, true. And so here we see uh, in verse 1, uh, he says that he that entereth not by the door uh, into the sheepfold, into the fenced uh, area where the sheep are kept, but one who climbs over the wall rather than going through the door, Jesus says is a thief, uh, is a robber. So anyone, Jesus is saying, anyone who would gain access to the sheep by uh, any other means but going through the gate has some type of a deceptive motive. Uh, there's something uh, that uh, the person that would climb over the wall would be seeking to do to avoid detection and uh, this would be a matter of stealth, a matter of deception on the part of such a one. Such a Deception on the part of anyone climbing over the, the wall to get to the sheep um, would basically, one would be asking, why is he doing that? Uh, who is he? Why is he doing this? He would be suspected of being a thief. True shepherds of the sheep, Jesus is saying here, true shepherds of the sheep will pass through the door, through the gate, in order to gain access to the sheep. In verse 9, we don't have to wonder as to uh, what is the door or who is the door, because Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. I am the door. And so, Jesus identifying himself as the door to the sheep. Anyone, Jesus says, who would gain access to the sheep to feed them and to lead them must come through him. Uh, he is the door. Uh, he's also called the king. He's the king of uh, his kingdom, his church. The sheep... And the sheepfold uh, are the church of Jesus Christ. And so here the Lord Jesus is saying uh, that he is the only uh, door, he's the only way that anyone who claims to be a shepherd 
uh, would come through him alone. Through his doctrine, through his gospel, not another gospel, through his doctrine, his teaching, not another uh, doctrine or teaching, through his worship that he's instituted, through his government, through his commandments. Um, and we could say also uh, that would include, uh, by way of extension, uh, through faithful preaching that's agreeable to the teaching of Christ, uh, or faithful confessions of faith that, again, uh, accurately uh, represents the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so a faithful minister is, again, going to come through Christ, uh, not through, not over the wall, not through the back door, not through any other means. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, for example, in verses 18 through 20, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Notice, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. We can only have authority as ministers to teach what Jesus has taught, what Jesus has commanded us. We have no authority to improvise, to, uh, to be creative with uh, his doctrine, his worship, his church government, his commandments, his discipline, um, uh, his gospel. Again, we have no uh, authority uh, to alter, to change that. That comes directly from him. And anyone who, again, is, is not teaching what Christ has taught uh, is not coming through the door. And uh, Jesus says, Again, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, I know that, that almost any church is going to say, and the minister of uh, almost any church is going to say, that I'm teaching uh, what Jesus has authorized. Um, even the cults, uh, well, Mormonism or J the JWs or other cults are going to say the same thing. Um, the Church of Rome is going to say the same thing. So again, um, uh, it's important that we recognize, though, that it is the authority of Christ. And he has given to us his authoritative word, uh, which we are to, again, uh, study diligently and to bring forth the truth from that word that he's left to us. Um, not, again, um, go to oral tradition, uh, prophecies uh, that are given now. Uh, it is uh, sola scriptura, it is scripture alone that we uh, 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 appeal to finally, supremely. And uh, if there are teachings 
that flow from that that are agreeable to the, this, uh, the scripture, uh, that's fine, but they must be agreeable to the scripture. Those who come not through the door uh, basically are leaders that are trying to get to the sheep uh, in order to poison the sheep, not to feed the sheep. They are there to destroy the sheep. And uh, they are there for their own following uh, to promote themselves rather than feeding and growing the sheep that Christ has given to the faithful minister. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1, and this again indicates how serious these matters are. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, says to the, these relatively new believers in Christ scattered throughout the province of Galatia, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So those who pervert the gospel of Christ here, in the words of the Lord Jesus, are robbers, thieves, um, that have climbed over the fence, not gone through, uh, through the door, Jesus. Uh, they perverted the gospel of Christ. Verse 8 says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Not be followed, but be accursed. So, so much of what happens today from behind the, the pulpit is uh, flattering the sheep, uh, is, um, uh, is giving to the sheep what the sheep want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Uh, it is entertaining uh, the sheep it is amusing the sheep. It is turning the sheep to relics from the past to ceremonies not instituted by Jesus Christ. It's turning the sheep to holy days not appointed uh, by Jesus Christ. These are all uh, indications that those who are promoting things that Christ has not commanded, as we just read in Matthew 28, if you can't find a command for a holy day, uh, then you are uh, promoting something that Jesus did not command. Uh, produce the command. He said, teaching all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So where do we find the command? And if we can't find the command, we ought not as ministers to be promoting 
uh, various holy days. So in this, again, this section of John 10, Jesus is calling the Jewish religious leaders, he's really calling them uh, thieves and robbers that want access to the sheep, not by coming through him, but by climbing over the wall to get to the sheep, to steal away the hearts of the sheep from Jesus Christ. Sadly, it's necessary today to also make clear that women who claim to be ministers have not come through the door, have not come through Jesus Christ. Uh, they have no authority uh, to preach. Uh, they have no authority to, to lead in the church of Jesus Christ. They have no authority uh, to teach with the authority of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, that has been given uh, according to Christ's apostles uh, to uh, men who are qualified and called to do so. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, we read, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Notice here that Paul um, bases and grounds uh, this this. Uh, command, not in um, tradition, not in culture, but in the fact that uh, Adam was first formed and Eve was formed afterwards and was formed from him, from his rib. And uh, that it was not Adam that was deceived, he sinned willfully, uh, it was uh, Eve that was deceived uh, in Genesis chapter 3. And so again, uh, those, are, those are not um, cultural uh, arguments, but based upon uh, order of creation, based upon the temptation that came uh, to them uh, from Satan. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, next chapter, uh, it speaks about the office of bishop or elder, and it says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Uh, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. And goes on and on. But here, clearly, uh, the apostle is not uh, opening the office of, of minister uh, to women, but is limiting it uh, to qualified men uh, who have been called by Christ and been called by the church. 
And then one more in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verses 34 through 35. Just again, as I said, it's sad that this even needs to be mentioned, but in uh, today's uh, cultural situation and in the landscape that we find ecclesiastically, it, it must be uh, stated. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 through 35. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. And if it's a shame for them to speak in the church, how much more a shame to preach and to teach in the church. Back to John chapter 10, verse 2. So Jesus continues in his statements, declaration against the false shepherds, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders of that time. He says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, the word uh, there, uh, the two words, the shepherd, uh, actually in the Greek text, uh, the definite article is not there. Uh, so it's, it would, I think, better be translated, but he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Because uh, I don't think that uh, at this point, Jesus does identify himself uh, in verses yet to come as the good shepherd. But he's talking here about uh, shepherds uh, that he, the good shepherd, has appointed. And so these are, these are shepherds that he has called uh, to shepherd the sheep on his behalf. So he that entereth in by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. That is, again, the one who enters through Christ. Uh, he is called by Christ. He preaches. He teaches Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ. He loves Christ. He loves the sheep of Jesus Christ. And he evidences that by coming through the door. Uh, no pretense. Uh, uh, it's not about um, the shepherd. Uh, it's not about uh, uh, as he leads the sheep, a faithful minister. It's not about him. It's about uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, that becomes, uh, I think, evident in um, the ministry of faithful shepherds. With regard to the call uh, of a faithful minister, uh, there's two aspects to the call. There is the internal call of Christ to the man whereby Jesus works a holy desire, a holy zeal uh, within the heart, the mind of uh, that man to preach and to teach. 
so that and to preach and teach Christ and to preach and teach his truth uh, so that the man uh, in whom Christ uh, extends that call internally he's persuaded uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ uh, it's a uh, it's perhaps similar uh, when uh, the Apostle John and um, other of the New Testament writers talk about this uh, inward work of the Holy Spirit so that we know that we are the children of God. We're persuaded that we are the children of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that we know that. So likewise, with, um, with regard to an internal call, it's similar uh, to that, uh, that one is persuaded, convinced that the Lord Jesus has indeed called him. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, <clears throat> says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. In other words, though I preach the, the good news of Jesus Christ, I don't have anything to boast about. Uh, it's not me. It's, it's not, it's not uh, for my glory. It's for the glory of God, for the glory of Christ. He goes on to say, uh, uh, for necessity is laid upon me. It's necessary that I preach the gospel. It's not optional. It's necessary. And then he says, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And so, again, it's that type of uh, conviction, persuasion, uh, that uh, one who is called. I, I don't know how many times in the course of my ministry at very, uh, all ministers face uh, very troubling and difficult times. And uh, they, they feel like, uh, I can't go on, I'm going to call it quits. Uh, you know, those types of uh, sentiments are not foreign to even a faithful minister who's, who's struggling, who's wrestling uh, with... Um, a crisis in the church or in his own family or his life or whatever it may be. And, uh, and uh, it has been so often for me that I have gone back uh, to that internal call where, wherein I have been convinced and persuaded that the Lord Jesus called me uh, to preach the gospel. And, and I, I could not deny that. I could not um, escape uh, that persuasion and that conviction and realize I, I can't quit. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Uh, a necessity, uh, not, uh, a, not an option, but a necessity is laid upon me. So that's the internal call. There's also the external call of the church. And the external call of the church is that which confirms uh, the gifts uh, that a 
faithful shepherd of the sheep has. Um, and this external call uh, comes through the presbytery, the eldership, who examine uh, the, the candidate for the ministry to see if he is qualified in doctrine and in life. And uh, the presbytery then ordains uh, the man who is qualified. This uh, is made clear in 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul speaking to Timothy, who went through this very process, says that uh, to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee. Now, this was the gift of, uh, of God's Christ's call upon uh, Timothy to be a minister. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee uh, by prophecy with the laying on of, of the hands of the presbytery. And then not only the presbytery, whose responsibility it is to examine uh, the candidate to see if he's qualified in doctrine and life and then to ordain the man who is qualified, but also the people. Uh, the people um, uh, of a particular uh, church, of a particular um, congregation at, in a local setting, it is their duty and responsibility to consent to the call. Uh, it's not simply something handed down from the top down, uh, but uh, it is also uh, the consent of the people uh, who say, we give our consent for this man uh, to be our minister, to lead us, to feed us. Uh, to shepherd us. And uh, so it's, again, that external call is manifested by the eldership, but also by the congregation uh, that is calling the man. In Acts 14.23, uh, it, uh, I think, helps us to understand that aspect of, of the external call. We read, and when they had ordained, this is uh, talking about uh, Paul and Barnabas, when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And uh, the word here, ordained, uh, has the idea of uh, uh, appointed uh, but it's, it's a special word, appointed by the outstretched hand, uh, indicating a, a vote that was taken. And so, again, it's, it's indicating that the congregation uh, consented uh, to the uh, appointment of these elders that were, were called. Verse 3, John, back to John chapter 10, verse 3. To him, that is, again, to the shepherd, to a shepherd, a faithful shepherd of the sheep, to him the porter openeth, 
And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. So the, here we're introduced uh, to a, uh, the porter, the doorkeeper, uh, that's responsible for guarding uh, the entrance uh, in, uh, into the sheepfold, uh, to where the sheep are. Uh, the door we've already identified as the Lord Jesus. Uh, the porter, I would uh, submit to you, uh, perhaps refers to the eldership, refers to the presbytery, that there's an orderly way. Uh, one doesn't simply, as um, Hebrews 5.4 says, uh, one doesn't take the honor unto oneself, um, but it is something that uh, is given and bestowed uh, after examination, and so uh, the porter that opens the uh, that opens you know uh, the the door um, uh, is again um, most likely those already appointed by the Lord Jesus uh, to grant admission uh, to that uh, office in teaching and instructing the sheep. <coughs> Notice also in verse 3 that the sheep hear the faithful shepherd's voice. They recognize uh, him to be a faithful shepherd in doctrine and in life. They recognize him as their shepherd, not simply as a shepherd in general, but their shepherd. Um, because they have, again, given their consent uh, unto his service among them. There, there used to be a practice in, in the church which was passed on um, through many uh, hundred centuries of, uh, called patronage. Patronage was uh, basically uh, when uh, a pastor was appointed to a congregation uh, by a lord, by someone higher up, and that the congregation had no say at all as to who would be their shepherd. Uh, and uh, that was, again, contrary. The idea of patronage uh, was contrary to the teaching of Scripture. That was, uh, that was a practice that was condemned uh, by the faithful Church of Scotland and, I believe, by uh, other faithful churches uh, as well, and still uh, ought to be condemned uh, by faithful churches. Uh, it, it, uh, to remove that consent uh, denies what Jesus says here, uh, the sheep hear his voice. Uh, uh, they recognize him, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. Notice how personal that is. Uh, we also see here that the faithful shepherd is not a CEO. Uh, he's not, a, he's not a, a, an administrator, a mere administrator. The church is not a, a corporation uh, that uh, it, it's... Uh, the church here are sheep. Uh, they're, um, the, the church is not a building. Uh, the church is a spiritual building. The church uh, would be the people. And so these mega churches, uh, basically, 
they, they grow, they grow, they grow. And, and the pastor basically just becomes um, a CEO of a large corporation. And uh, that's uh, here uh, not what uh, Jesus is talking about. The sheep know him. And he knows his sheep by name. They don't know their sheep by name. Uh, it, it tells us something about when a church becomes so large that the shepherd doesn't know the sheep, does not know them by, by name, well, it's probably time to spin off and start uh, a church plant so that, again, that relationship between the pastor and the sheep is not lost. And uh, one other thing in verse 3, the, the faithful shepherd leads the sheep. It doesn't drive the sheep uh, as if they're cattle. Uh, he leads his sheep into green pastures. Uh, he leads them out to feed them and uh, the truth of Jesus Christ. He leads by his example. Uh, in again, his example in doctrine and in life. It doesn't, uh, as we'll see uh, in the next section, which we won't get to this evening, but uh, he doesn't abandon them. Uh, he leads them. Uh, he guides them. Verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So this, again, emphasizes that personal relationship between a faithful shepherd and the sheep. And he goes before them. He leads by his own example. He's not driving them. He's not uh, crushing them. Uh, he is seeking uh, to use um, uh, that which is uh, most important, as Paul says, um, follow me as I follow Christ in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. doesn't mean, again, that there aren't times uh, where uh, something, uh, very strong medicine is needed uh, in, in a church, but uh, the primary way is to lead by way of example in the truth that is preached and in the life uh, that is lived. Not a perfect life. No, no shepherd's perfect. Uh, every shepherd sins. Every faithful shepherd errs. Um, but uh, even a faithful shepherd that sins and errs, uh, particularly if it's done to another individual in the church or to anyone else for that matter, or if it's done publicly, uh, again, a faithful shepherd leads by humbling himself before that individual sheep or uh, before the collective sheep repents and seeks forgiveness. So even when there is uh, you know, uh, evidence of some sin or error, again, uh, it's, uh, that's the attitude of a faithful shepherd uh, is, again, not claiming perfection or sinlessness, uh, none of us um, uh, can make such claims. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the qualification uh, to be a faithful shepherd is to be sinless or perfect, but to be faithful. Uh, remember Jesus said in Matthew 7, 
that you'll know them by their fruit. Both you'll know the false teachers, the false shepherds by their fruit, uh, but you'll also know the faithful ones by their fruit, by their, again, by their doctrine and by their life. John 10, 5. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Again, uh, does this not, again, emphasize uh, the personal nature of that relationship? Uh, He's not a stranger to a sheep. Uh, they They don't follow strangers. Um, again, there, there is uh, that attempt uh, to, to uh, know uh, the sheep. Even the, even the lambs of the congregation, you know, the little ones, uh, have a special place in the heart of, of a faithful shepherd. Um, uh, he cares for the lambs as well as for the older and more mature sheep. And uh, again, he can be, I think, seen talking to, uh, seeking to help um, uh, even um, uh, the lambs within uh, the congregation as well as the sheep. One of the most important things that I think a shepherd is called uh, to, uh, to do is to teach the sheep um, uh, and to help them to be able to discern the voice of a faithful shepherd from the voice of a stranger so that the sheep are not misled uh, into dangerous territory. Uh, that is why it's so important, again, for faithful shepherds uh, to preach Uh, doctrinal sermons that are not light and entertaining but are meaty that are sermons that give yes the milk of the word to those who need the milk so that there's something in the sermon for everybody there's milk but there's also meat Uh, there is there is the gospel and uh, a coming to Jesus Christ, but there's also the building upon that foundation. Um, Gold, silver, and precious stones built upon that foundation in the doctrines that are taught so that the the sheep uh, don't remain. And that was one of the things you remember in uh, at the end of uh, chapter four of uh, Hebrews, um, actually the end of chapter 5 of Hebrews, that uh, Paul says, uh, you know, I'm feeding you milk. You ought to be beyond this at this point. Uh, you ought to be teachers yourself, but you have need to be taught the fundamentals, the ABCs, as it were, of the Christian faith. And so, again, that's a, a very important matter uh, for faithful teachers, faithful shepherds, is, uh, is to train, is to teach, uh, to, uh, to give to them uh, the doctrine 
which is simply the teaching uh, of Scripture, and to go through uh, in their preaching as they open a text to tell the, the sheep what the text says, but to try to bring out of that text the doctrine that is found throughout Scripture and that, uh, that can be taught to the sheep. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 4, again, the Apostle Paul uh, helps us in his exhortation to Timothy here to understand what a faithful shepherd will do when he says to Timothy, preach the word. Not just preach. Preach the word. Preach scripture. Preach the Bible. Uh, don't, uh, again, uh, preach jokes. Don't preach um, uh, to entertain or to amuse. Uh, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. In other words, always be ready uh, to preach uh, the word, regardless of what's going on in society and culture. Uh, preach uh, regardless of whether most people agree uh, with, uh, uh, with you or not. Preach the word. Be faithful uh, to the word of God. Reprove. And notice in the preaching what a, a faithful minister does. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Very, very true as to what is happening even now. Certainly sermons must also be applied, not only doctrine, but the doctrine must be applied uh, in love uh, unto the sheep, application made to their lives. But a sermon, notice what it, this is very important, just uh, pay careful attention to this point. A sermon that is soft on doctrine and heavy in application is getting the cart before the horse. Yes, there should be application, but, but the sermon should be heavy in doctrine, and that should be that which leads. And then comes the loving application that follows after the doctrine. Verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. John calls what Jesus had taught uh, in the first five verses a parable. In other words, as we said at the beginning, uh, this was uh, a, a story, basically, that they would all recognize from from everyday life, a shepherd, sheep, and, and a, a porter, a 
doorkeeper, you know, when the shepherd was gone, that, uh, that he would watch uh, the sheep. And, uh, and that one who came across, uh, climbed over the wall, uh, had very sinister motives uh, in mind, not going through the door. And so these would be things that they would recognize, but they conveyed spiritual truths. That's why it's called a parable. And uh, these words that conveyed this spiritual truth were aimed very clearly, as we said, at the Pharisees, the religious leaders from the end of John chapter 9. But these religious leaders, John the Apostle says in verse 6, they didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They didn't get the truth that he was speaking because they did not have the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, we learn that not everybody has the mind of Christ. Only those, again, who, whose hearts are changed by the Lord Jesus who truly come to faith uh, through Jesus Christ, have the mind of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, that's, that's again, uh, basically comparing spiritual things with spiritual is, is called the analogy of faith. It's comparing scripture with scripture. Um, and so um, that's how we uh, discern the truth by comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, But the natural man, this is the unregenerate man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. He doesn't understand the things that are written in God's Word. Uh, they don't make sense to him. Um, they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So uh, there is, uh, on the part of the unregenerate, uh, it says he, uh, he cannot know them. Neither can he know them. He doesn't have the, the ability to truly understand uh, the spiritual things that are taught uh, in God's Word. He can read the words, but he doesn't have the true spiritual understanding uh, because they are... Uh, spiritually understood. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual, that's the regenerate um, person, uh, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. He, he discerns uh, all things. He, he has uh, the ability to understand. Verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So here, uh, we learn that God gives to believers the mind of Christ. Uh, that's why we're able to understand his word. That's why we have a desire to read his word. It's because we have the mind of Christ. That's part of what God gives to us in our regeneration. 
those who have no desire to read the, the Bible, uh, to understand what God says, uh, uh, to be familiar uh, with the teaching and, of Scripture, uh, don't have the mind of Christ. Uh, and evidence that we have the mind of Christ is that we want to read, we want to study, we want to be familiar with uh, and grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. So this only revealed the fact that the Pharisees uh, did not understand. It only reveals, again, their blindness. If you, and, and by way of encouragement to you, if you can see and understand what we have read in John 10, 1 through 5 thus far, uh, if that makes sense to you, if you understand and you want to apply, you want to hear and you want to do what the Lord Jesus has said, um, then be encouraged. Um, your eyes are not blind. Uh, you have the mind of Christ. Grow in it. Grow in the mind of Christ. It's not that we, we understand all that we should understand the moment we're regenerated, but to have the mind of Christ is, is to grow in Christ. I would rather be called a babe in knowledge by the world or even a fool by the world, and yet have a true knowledge of Christ, to have the mind of Christ, than to be called a wise man by the world and have no knowledge of Christ, and to be a true fool. We'll stop there for this evening. Let's uh, close in prayer. Please stand with me. Our Lord, we realize that uh, the world accounts us as fools. But it doesn't matter to us what the world thinks, uh, but what thou dost think. And Lord, uh, thou hast told us that we who trust in Christ uh, have a new heart and new mind, new understanding. We have the mind of Christ, and, uh, and that we, in thy estimation and judgment, we are the wise men of this world, uh, not the so-called intellects that uh, berate thee, who discredit thee, who s s pour scorn upon thee, the one true living God in thy holy word. Pray that, Lord, we would rejoice that we can understand uh, thy word, that we would rejoice that we see our eyes have been opened. Uh, we see uh, that uh, we need Christ, that we are self-righteous by nature, that we're sinners, we've violated thy law, and that we, we can only have everlasting life uh, through coming through uh, Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, that thou would, would uh, bless the, the study this evening to our uh, understanding. And may we reflect upon it, meditate upon it, grow, Lord, from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any questions uh, from uh, the uh, 
study this evening. Okay, thank you all for uh, joining us.